Guess who I talked to on Thursday night? Your mom. Greg Pack. Mm. And uh, he was he was out there on Twitter after after uh, Thanksgiving dinner. He's like, hey, I've got review copies of Astonishing X-Men. I have 12 review copies of Astonishing X-Men. Who wants? And so I'm like, dude, hook me up. Hey, um, I do have... What's the book again? Astonishing X-Men number 44. I just want to say a few words about it. Uh, okay. Why? Why do you have Astonishing X-Men number 44? Because that's the book that Greg Pat gave me. Oh, he sent it to you digitally? Yeah. Are you going to say nice things about it? Paul, did you just stroke out like between the four minutes ago he said that? Books with Aaron, Tim, Wayne, and Paul. I'm Aaron. I'm Tim. This is Wayne. Why do I go last? Let me tell you why Aaron you said that, that way. Let me tell you why you go last, Paul. Because my buddy Tim over here, he edits shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny books with Aaron and Timmy. <laughs> Just got real. <laughs> Just because you've been gone for a couple weeks doesn't mean you can bring all this energy now. It's bullshit. <laughs> You know, it feels good to have us all back around the mics. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah, I mean, everyone important is back on the mics now. It's it's nice. Yeah. Fuck that Andrew and Jonathan guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody important's on the mics. I don't see Daryl Gregory around. Where is he? Uh, uh, Daryl Gregory and Matt Sturgis. And Ron Mars. Yes. Yeah. You know, we should do a dual interview, Raven Gregory and Daryl Gregory. Oh, that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Well, and you know, speaking of which, uh, our Raven Gregory interview show is going to drop uh, this Wednesday. Ooh, very exciting. Yes, uh, supposedly, well, I think um, maybe a week before uh, his new Alice in Wonderland series hits the comic shops, too. So yeah. that'll be very exciting. It's a good interview. I, I thought it was good. We talked about Ron Mars. I don't know if that'll make the show because, you know, it wasn't all positive, but... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> the Cheshire cat is a dick. That's a spoiler alert. Right there. But, but there, there was a lesson learned in the Ron Myers story. Oh, very good. So, Paul, you've been a week now with your Kindle Fire. Yes, and officially. And you know, you have betrayed me. Yes, harshly. I'm not going to say for the last time because you and I both know that's not true. I'm, I'm probably think I'm betraying you before this recording's over. I, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But, uh, you know, funny books with Aaron and Judas. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's the season. That's right. So you've been a week with it. What do you think? Oh, I love it. I love the hell out of it. In fact, one of the books that I – okay, so confession time because my comic store doesn't listen to this and I already have enough drama with my comic shop guy. (laughs) Uh, There's more drama with the comic book guy? Because I I buy comics from Thwipster and he's like – what do I have to do to get your business on the trade paperbacks? I'm like, well, sell your shit 50% off and yeah. you'll get my business. <laughs> but anyway, so I forgot to buy Voodoo number three this week on Wednesday. I went back to the comic shop yesterday for a Black Friday sale. So he obviously took my advice and did sell some shit 50% off. And I still didn't buy Voodoo because I ended up buying it digitally. Mm. I was like, you know, I forgot it in the comic shop. I'm just going to buy it digitally. Because mm-hmm. I want to see, you know, I don't have many new comics digitally. So I bought it, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about it later on in the show, my experience with it. But I am absolutely loving reading comics on my Kindle Fire. I downloaded some programs that I can read PDFs, I can read CBRs, I can read anything from Comixology. And I even got the Marvel Comics app to work on my Kindle, even though it's not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> so now I won't have to complain about Avenging Spider-Man not working, because I got go. it to work. Well, you know, uh, Comic Zeal, which is an app for the iPad mm-hmm. for reading CBRs and CBCs, recently did an upgrade, and I got to tell you, it's fantastic. Everything I hated about the former version has been fixed in this version, and it is so intuitive and really allows you to do your essentially you're, you're having digital long boxes. 
it really makes it so much easier to sort your stuff. And so, you know, I had this big messy pile of digital comics in the earlier version of the app, and now it's all just neat and tidy. And I wish that my physical copies were, were as neat and tidy. I, I really love the Comic Seal app. It's fantastic. Yeah. So. I- it, the, the idea that my comic boxes won't grow exponentially over the next couple of years yeah. makes me happy. It, it, I'm, I'm happy to think that my co- you know that I don't have to you know worry about buying more comic boxes that are going to look crappy in my house. And well, and I got to say, I, I have been struggling with the same issue that you've been struggling with. You don't don't necessarily want to keep getting physical floppies. You want to keep reading the books, but you don't want to have the 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 print document until like maybe it's a, it's collected. I've been struggling with that same thing, and so you know, after listening to you and Tim talk about that last week, uh, I think I have stumbled upon how I'm going to manage that. I am not going to pick up new titles that I'm adding to my pool. I'm going to add them digitally. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick up the. You know, when I pick up a new series, I'm gonna add the new series digitally versus picking it up in print. So when the you're new running. Casper title starts in January, you're I, right, it digitally. I, I'm all over that digitally. So you're, you're you're having the same problem, Paul, is trying to make your way in a man's world. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would I would say if I had my own Nook instead of just playing around with digital with my wife's Nook, I probably would take a couple books like that. I've just got that whole crazy comic shop loyalty thing going on though, where I I want to go in each week and talk to the guys. Right. I have a hard time. Even adjusting my pull because I don't want to bring up the topic of dropping stuff, right. which is why I secretly slide things back onto the shelf. <laughs> Wayne, you can sit right over here on this side of the argument with the non-hippies, and I'm, I'm glad with that. I'm good. Well, you know, one of the things I'm struggling with is how much of it is that I genuinely want the print book versus how much I'm wanting to support my local comic shop. And – it's a losing fight because you know at the end of the day I'm not in the business of providing social welfare for the comic book shop. Comic book shop needs to be relevant on their own. They need to have a valid business model on their own in this changing marketplace. You know, I'm not in the business of, of providing them their welfare check. So there are so many things I love about my comic book shop, but the reality is is that it would be so much easier to just get my comics on my iPad Instead of driving out to the comic book shop every week, yeah. I mean, and yeah. again, I have I have a comic shop loyalty too, which is why. Yeah. And it sounds like we're. I, I like your idea. You know, the existing titles that I have, I will continue to buy through my comic shop. Of course, there are some titles that I love having paper copies of. But I have to be honest, when it comes to floppy, at this point, it makes no difference to me. Yeah, it's only, if I want something on paper, then the trade is probably. Yeah, that's the, the my, answer for me. My heartburn about it is the price point again, and you know I'm I'm trying to work my way through that, but I just feel like the the price point's wrong. But we had a point about the price point last week, and that is that there's no advertising in the in the digital comic. I would be fine with advertising in the digital comic though, if it was lower price. Yeah, but I think right. what you're right. paying for is you know they they aren't getting any advertising revenue from those digital yeah. comics, thus you pay two ninety nine. I'd even be fine with a video placement at the beginning and at the end. See, you say that, but I—that shit annoys me. I, I don't know how I, you know, I mean, like if I'm flipping the pages and there's an ad in the comic, that's fine. However, if I have to, if I open the comic, like when I open up a YouTube video and I have to watch a commercial for a fucking, I don't know, like the Muppet movie every time I watch a YouTube video, it annoys me. Like mm. I hate that I have to watch commercials on online media now. Well, if it meant that, but the Muppet movie is going to be cool. Exactly. <laughs> True. I actually plan on seeing that today. I see. I want to see the Muppet movie. But I have no desire to see it in the theater with a bunch of hot, sticky kids. No, thank you. Well, I don't have to have that problem because I'll go to Cinebistro where it's twenty-one and up. Oh yeah. There you go. There's just something that strikes me wrong about a twenty-one and up theater playing Muppets. It sounds totally right to me. They should play every kid movie, like Cars Three. Whenever the fuck that comes out, if they if they ever make a Cars Three, I'll go see it there. That went on to deal with kids. I know that's wrong of me. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, digital comics. I'm I'm going to be more and more getting my new releases there. Correct, and I find myself that I will probably be buying certain things in trade. Like one of the things I want to talk about is uh, the Flash. I think 
you know, that's something I'm going to read over and over and over, and I might actually give my paper copies away, right? And just continue buying it digitally. It's just the Flash is one of those books, and there's an interview with Francis Manupol online this week that is so focused on the art that you kind of, you know, when I read something in paper, I don't know, I don't know if you guys are the same way, but I don't focus on the art as much as I should. And you're uh, saying that the Comicsology app steers you to that? It does. It steers yeah. me to that because I can view each panel. Right. And so I can actually look at the panels and see what's going on instead of just, you know, reading a page, you know, looking for the text boxes on the page, reading all the text boxes, flipping to the next page. That's not the right way to read comics. Comics are, you know, a graphic medium. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we're all kind of guilty of it. No. No. See, I, I prefer to see the whole page at once. I don't do a lot of the zooming into the panels. And we'll talk about it when we get into Voodoo, but that's how it read Voodoo this week. So what what, what comic books did you guys actually buy, like, hard copy? Well, I bought... So, yes, well, yesterday was Black Friday, at the time we're recording this. So, by the time you're listening, a couple days ago was Black Friday. And I bought a shit ton of trade paperbacks. I don't know if you guys did, but my comic shop had a Black Friday sale. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, I had already spent $30 on Thwipster... And $45 at the Top Cow store, because Top Cow had 60% off everything. So I only spent 40 bucks at my comic shop. But they had um, buy one, get one free on select trades. So it's not like anything was buy one, get one free. So I got a whole bunch of uh, Marvel Secret Warriors by Jonathan Hickman. Mm-hmm. And I bought Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine by Jason Aaron. Is that any good? I don't know, but the comic shop guy said it was good, and I've been wanting to read it because I like Jason Aaron sometimes. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. Cool. I actually didn't buy any regular comics on, uh, you know, for Black Friday or for any other other sales. I'm going more and more down the dark path of enjoying manga. Uh, I oh. I bought a bunch. I bought a bunch of them on Black Friday. This isn't oh. manga with Aaron and Polly. Yeah, uh, Wayne. Oh. Ooh, corrective action. Corrective action. Wait, wait. Was there any tentacle sex action in the in those books? No, none at okay, all. And I just don't understand what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I held strong yesterday. I didn't buy any uh, any books. I did, however, was uh, scoping out a laptop for my wife on uh, Amazon on the evening of Thanksgiving, and watched that was waiting for this lightning deal to come up. You know, because I tell you when when the uh, deal's about to pop, and so I'm I'm just hovering. It was going to be like you know two hundred dollars off on this laptop and docking station. I was just, it was like great. I am I am gonna I'm gonna nail this tonight. Pressure is off for uh, Christmas shopping, right? And so the deal pops. I immediately click you know buy this item. Item the the they're already sold out. I mean like one second after the deal went live, they were sold out. And here is what chaps my ass about that. Because I understand finite supplies. They were out of the laptops that they were selling at that price. But if you wanted to buy it at their regular Amazon price, those were still in stock. Ooh. Yeah, that's annoying. That pissed me right off. Because, I mean, what do they have? Five of them? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Amazon, And unfortunately, Amazon, as much as I love Amazon... When it comes to the laptops and the TVs, you know, and it's just like in the stores, you know, it's like we have ten available at this price, and as soon right. as we run out, then we'll put out the others for the regular price. Right. That's they're essentially running themselves themselves just like Best Buy or something else. But I, I don't know; it is a poor business plan to to do that because, uh, I mean, those things are going to sell out quick. You've got thousands of people waiting for that laptop on Amazon.com. Ugh, man, I was so cheesed. So, cheese. You know, so so I have bought absolutely nothing yet for Christmas. I am still <laughs> blown away by the things people do on Black Friday. It was Wednesday morning, and I went to Best Buy, and there were tents already set up. Good God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they yeah. were going around the corner. It's like, why? what deal could possibly be good enough that you're willing to give up your entire Thanksgiving to sit in a tent outside of Best Buy. And then the more I read about it, Best Buy was actually doing movie showings out in their parking lot. They were bringing out the equipment and showing uh, one of the Harry Potter movies out there. 
But you know what? So that's not enough. That's not enough. I don't care. I'm not going to miss Thanksgiving. Oh, no, uh, that's definitely <laughs> not enough for it. It just highlights the point that they're expecting this. They're playing up to it, and they want this to happen. The more they get on the news with people camping outside their store, the happier they are. Now, let me tell you how irritated I was at the fact that I was I was shopping online and didn't get the deal that I had been waiting for. Okay, Now, if you had put me waiting in line for 10, 12, 24 hours, having missed my, my, my uh, Thanksgiving dinner, you know, not in the comfort of my home, not sitting there in my slippers, somebody would have gotten pepper sprayed. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, Mr. Head, we don't have any more of those laptops at this price. That's what they would have gotten. They would have gotten a big spray of pepper spray in the face. Wow. I, I wasn't I wasn't out shopping Friday because I I was busy playing Batman Arkham City. Woo! Ah, uh, how is it? Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> There's just I I never played Asylum, so I I can't compare it to Arkham Asylum. But oh my god, there's just so many ways to hose people, and Batman is such a dick. Like Batman's like <laughs> you you get somebody. Like, tell me everything you know, you know, in one of those voices. And he's like, I'll tell you everything. It's like, map updated with all secrets in this area. It's like, thanks. And he punches him in the face. <laughs> Basically. What did you expect him to do? Like, pat him on the head? Like, thank you. Well, maybe just toss him into a garbage can and say, GTFO buddy or something. <laughs> and then uh, there's, there's one scene. Uh, well, I'm not spoiling anything because you can do this all the time. But you know, you're sitting up there in like one of the, one of the, on one of these like gargoyles, and one of the one of the little bastards walks by, and then there's there was an icon that popped up. It's like inverted takedown. I'm like hell yeah, swoop down, picked him up, strung him up by the gargoyle. His buddies come by. He's like, oh, how'd you get up there? <laughs> so good. You you really feel like Batman swinging around Arkham City. It, it's it's fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. I have a hard and fast rule now, though, that I won't buy any console game brand new anymore. I have too many on my list that I'm waiting to play. So I'm getting everything through, like, GameStop after the price is dropped or when it does sales. So I just now started playing Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. That looks so much, like so much fun. How do you like that? Uh, I have a problem with the art on the Amazing Spider-Man portion. It's a little too cartoony. But other than that absolutely loving the game and the spider-man noir version Mm -hmm. plays like a batman game Mm. where you're sticking to the shadows you have you know the silent takedowns you're up above them looking down web them pull them up have them hanging from the the thing that you're sitting on it really reminds me of uh arkham asylum actually I, i i have had my eye on shattered dimensions for a while that looks like a fun game I think I saw it for like fifteen dollars this weekend. Yeah, I just haven't. The reason why I haven't bought anything is I just haven't had time to play them. Yeah, I mean, I still haven't finished Red Dead Redemption. Well, that's a long ass game, though. It is a long ass game, See, and that's like my rule. You know, Wayne talks about his rules: don't buy any new games. And to a certain extent, other than Uncharted, Uncharted is the game that I break that rule for. But you know, so I don't buy new games except for Uncharted. But you know, if a game's like, if I read online that the game's like thirty hours long, like. No, I'm not going to buy it. Oh, like, you're that guy. I'm that guy. Like, if I see Skyrim, like, everyone's talking about Skyrim, Elder Scrolls Skyrim, I'm like, oh, hell with that. That game's, like, probably 50 hours long. It's like, see, just I'm, give me a six-hour game, and I'm fine. And I'm, I'm the saying, opposite. If it's under yeah. 10, I won't buy it. I'll rent I'm it. I'm just weighing on that one. That's and why I never bought Arkham Asylum. I only rented it. As good of a game as it was, it was too short. See, and I'm fascinated by Skyrim, but, you know, I know that I'm never going to get a chance to finish that game. See, I'm all about the story. I, you know, I, I want if it's a good story, I want to get to the end of the story. And if it's if a game's like twenty, thirty hours, I'm never going to get to the story. It has been like a year and a half, and I still haven't finished the newest Castlevania game because it's two discs long. I'm and I want to because I love the story, but it's freaking frustrating because I just I, I don't have the time to to finish a game of that length. Yeah. Well, I bought Shattered Dimensions well over a month ago, and I was just waiting until I finished Fallout New Vegas before I started it. So I finally finished that, so I had a chance to start it. The reason I think I don't... Maybe I'll have some more time if I drop some comics off my pull list. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we're three months into the New 52. In fact, this week was the last week of new releases, you know, new number three issues. This this coming week... um, 
there are no new 52 books. And, you know, then we start again in uh, December. So now that issue threes are all out and said and done, I know there are a couple books that we are dropping. Yeah. You know, there are a couple that I'm picking. Well, no, there are none that I'm picking up, but there are definitely some that I'm dropping. So what about you guys? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Teen Titans 3 for a second here. <laughs> I um, can't. I already dropped it. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you you were, you were right because <laughs> – this this book is awful. Like the art was fantastic, but just real quickly, it's like the kinetic guy. The guy can make kinetic, you know, bullets or like bricks and stuff like that. So it's very much sort of kind of like speedball. So what's he do? He makes his fist bigger. Like really, that's what you do with your kinetic powers. You make big purple fists, and he just happens to walk into the same railroad car that Robin's in. Like just, oh, happenstance, really. That's that was awful. So yeah, this book's done with me. I'm done with it. You know, and it's painful that that book has been so bad because Tim's great in there. Red Robin is good. We don't have another Red Robin book. If we just had a Red Robin book with you know that character being written like he's being written, I would be so happy with it. It's just that's not enough to keep the book you know in my pull list at this point. I'm dropping Wonder Woman. Uh, I read issues two and three last night. You know, it's a, it's it is a well written book. It is a well drawn book. I know that you, uh, a couple of the folks on the show don't care for the artwork, but it's not it's not scratching my itch. You know, it, it's not it's not giving me the kind of Wonder Woman story I'm, I'm interested in. It's a little too tied into Greek mythology, and I'm really not interested in reading that story. But you know, I'm thankful that I read the first three because you you do actually get the Wonder Woman origin, mm-hmm. you know, uh, completed in issue three. But I'm at a, I'm at a, in a comfortable spot to jump off of this book. Yeah, let's I, be honest, Eric, you're jumping off because there's no nudity, right? Yeah, there was none in two and three. Well, there's a know, little bit. You got to see a little bit of Hera in. You know, two. and the thing is, I really <laughs> liked Wonder Woman in Justice League. Mm-hmm. If the book was about that Wonder Woman being written like she was written over there. Yeah, I would have stayed on for more than an issue because See, that was an interesting Wonder Woman. And I'm off of Justice League as well. Really? Yeah, that book is ass. Nice. <laughs> the The artwork is beautiful. The story is far too decompressed. You know, the fact that we're three issues in and it, and all you've had is just a prolonged fight scene is is ridiculous. I'm just not. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in reading about Jeff Johns masturbating, uh, which is essentially what that book is. I'm yeah, there's the really not. Line. I say there's really not much story there. No, but I I wouldn't drop it right now because that last issue had Aquaman show up at the end, and Aquaman has been such a good book, and it looks like the way he appeared at the end of that issue, he's going to be an interesting character there too. So yeah, that, I'm on I'm on it, board for the next issue entirely because Aquaman's in it. If you'll I note, really can't believe I said that out loud. If you'll note, I dropped Aquaman after issue one. So. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I did pick up uh, on on Black Friday? I picked up the complete Aquaman uh, animated series. What you know, from like nineteen sixty? Oh, wow, <laughs> they had nineteen cents. They, the, they had it for three bucks. <laughs> but that's the old stupid Aquaman. This is the new cool Aquaman. No, you negate it's, your point immediately. You negate your point. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say I dropped Aquaman after issue one. But I'm well, so awesome. I picked up the 1960s Aquaman. <laughs> you know, and I really am surprised that this new Aquaman is one of my favorite of the 52. But it's right up there. It's in my top five. I it has drop been Aquaman so good. I thought it was a bad book. I dropped it because it just wasn't wasn't tickling me. So because it was Aquaman. I've dropped a couple of books. In addition to Wonder Woman, I'm actually dropping the Superman titles. Supergirl, Superboy, Superman, Action Comics. Now, here's the thing. My brother read Superman in action comics. So basically, I'm still going to read them. But instead of buying him a copy and me a copy, <laughs> I will buy one copy, and as soon as I'm done reading it, he gets it. Uh, <laughs> I, at this point, I don't think I like any of them enough to, to continue to continue on with. Yeah. See, I, I dropped uh, Superboy after last week, too. It's It just isn't going anywhere. I'm not caring for the character. after the. I like the way it started out, but it just... It's not progressing at all. Uh, I'm dropping about half of the Batman titles. That's what I've done. I'm half Batman and Robin, Batgirl. I drop Nightwing. 
I can't remember if I'm staying on Batman or Detective Comics. I can't remember which one of those. Knowing you, probably Detective Comics. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I've dropped about half of the Bat books. I'm kind of surprised because some of my favorite titles are not the ones I expected them to be. I love Animal Man. I love the hell out of Animal Man. I love Aquaman. I love All Star Western. Even an All Star Western is a three ninety nine book and worth every penny. <laughs> and I love the Flash. Um, I know we're not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna go too deep into it. But the Flash is probably one of the most beautifully done books I have ever read. Just the art is so amazing on this book. It is just a breathtaking book, and you know the story's interesting. I am really digging it. Uh, I highly recommend checking out the Flash. It's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, I'm still surprised by which which of the books are my top ones as well. Like Batman and Robin, I thought I would hate because I dislike Damian Wayne. But that book is so good. It's in my top five, too. And I never thought an Aquaman title would be so high up on the list. But the book is just so good. I mean, I don't know what it is about some of these titles that maybe I came in with lower expectations than I would have otherwise because I thought they'd get one issue and that's it. But it's been really surprising which ones are I'm keeping and which ones I'm dropping. Well, I think and two ninety nine is a good price point. I'm happy with the two ninety nine, and that's why I gave so many of them a try. Absolutely. I think I will still end up buying. Like there are some books that I drop, like Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, Omac, books that I actually enjoy. But I'll probably buy them for a buck ninety nine digitally eventually when they drop in price. Yeah. And who knows, maybe in a, if they have a 99 cent sale, I'll probably, you know, buy in bulk. Yeah. You mean all the books that are destined to eventually be canceled anyway? Exactly. And to a certain extent, <laughs> that's spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm not uh getting too invested anyway. But anyway, speaking of spoilers, Tim, good 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 call there. You know, big book this week was Fantastic Four number 600, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But as as is commonplace nowadays, the book was ruined by mainstream media earlier in the you know earlier in the day. Seriously, Paul. But <laughs> well, I mean, like if you didn't know what was about what was going to happen in this book, yeah, you're an artist. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, I mean, we all knew what was going to happen in issue six hundred. We knew it was going to happen in issue six hundred. Yeah, when years ago. Yeah, yeah, we predicted it. Yeah. In fact, I remember Jake Ekus on this show saying, you know, don't kill a character twelve issues before your six hundredth issue. Exactly. But who uh, listens to Jake Ekus? Yeah, yeah, good point. Fair who point. Who is Jake Ekus? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, and I saw I saw everyone whining about that online. You know, the comic book internet has, has spoiled another story. Like, seriously? This is what you're going to complain about? Yeah, and I, Okay, I, I'm not trying to be harsh because we have spoken to these guys. They are very nice guys. But I am uh, going to call some folks out by name. Get them. Get them, Paul. You know, guys like Dan Slott, uh-huh. Ed Brubaker. Uh-huh. I think even to a certain extent, Jonathan Hickman, yeah, and and more. I, I, there are there are I, I, there are definitely more. Those are the top three. Uh, those are definitely the top three as far as you know, going being really passionate about it, complaining not just about spoilers in general, mm-hmm. but complaining about uh, specific comic websites spoiling the books. Right. Dan Slott is very adamant about calling out BleedingCool.com for for spoiling comics. Right. Um, you know, they they had a whole run of spoilers this week, including spoiler warning on, but the book's been out for a couple days now. Wolverine and the X-Men number two, where Iceman basically makes out with Kitty Pride. Right. Now that Colossus is away. And I got to be honest, you know, one of the things that we've been seeing lately is that spoilers actually make people more interested in the book. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm suddenly interested in that book after hearing about it. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, now I, I want to buy the book. I heard that. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm curious about the book. And, you know, I, I think it's, 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 it's hypocritical to call out comic websites for spoiling comic books when, to a certain extent, yes, they are speaking to the general comics public, but they do put spoiler tags on. Well, can, and can, can I, I say think something about this, too? Go, yes. go get him, Tim. Be- because when, you're mar- when your marketing team tells usa today about something absolutely before the comic book comes out absolutely. you lose all right to complain yeah all yeah, of it you know when no when, one working at marvel can complain yeah you know I, I love you guys over at marvel but you're talking out of both sides of your mouth don't exactly like tim says don't have a big press conference with usa today and say you know give us all the information about ultimate comic spider-man number one don't spoil johnny storm's death 
in uh, Fantastic Four and then get mad when somebody else spoils his resurrection. It just, God, it just, it is so hypocritical. Don't spoil our books. We won't have anything to spoil if you're spoiling them. <laughs> well, and the argument, supposedly the argument is that, well, when we tell something to USA Today, spoilers, those spoilers will bring new people into the comic book shop. Whereas, no, and here's the th- and the argument is that well, that'll bring new people into the comic book shop. Whereas a site like Bleeding Cool is just spoiling it to the people who love comics. And I'm and I got to be honest to you, if people click the fucking article to read it, they're aware there are spoilers in the article. No one comes across spoilers inadvertently. They're citing a difference without a distinction. There is there is absolutely no difference between Marvel spoiling it versus a comic book site spoiling it, other than the fact that Marvel is gets to be in control of what they spoil. You know, and I will disagree that there's no one will come across this stuff inadvertently, because when they spoiled like USA Today and things like that, they put it in the freaking headline. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm referring to comic book websites. Like, yeah, if you read comic article, book websites will not put it in the headline. They actually make they an want effort you to click to, through. Yeah, yeah. They actually put an effort towards not randomly spoiling things, unlike Marvel editors. Yeah. That whole argument is is just hollow. There's there's nothing there to it because, you know, Mar- Marvel in this circumstance is talking out both sides of their mouth. And, you know, again, I love these guys. These are great guys. They do write good books. Yeah, Of course, absolutely. I would love to go into the books not having known anything about the story. Yeah. No, I, I mean, but... Well, and let's let's talk about the, the promos that Marvel did for issue 600. Mm-hmm. They had ads with the Human Torch in them. Yeah, duh. You know, and so, I mean, I, I, who thought that was actually supposed to be a secret? I mean, I really... I, 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 if, if you have been reading... Future Foundation and Fantastic Four over the last 13 issues, you knew that the Human Torch was coming back. Yeah, if you read his death, you knew that he was yeah. coming back because it was the worst death ever. Yeah. And so that brings us to this week's Fantastic Four number 600, a 100 page, I'm going to read the top, 100 page, 50th anniversary, sixth, 600th issue extravaganza. <laughs> You you get a hundred pages, so that's roughly about five comics worth for the cost of about two comics, um, mm-hmm. seven ninety nine. So it value, good value, still an expensive book, still an eight dollar book. And let's let's be clear, no reprints in this book. Yes. This is all fresh content, all brand new content. I think yep. all written by Jonathan Hickman, just with different yep. artists. Yep. It should be uh, Fantastic Four five eighty nine. Just just throwing that out there. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> that's true. I mean. <laughs> To be honest, I, 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 I agree with you, especially since FF is continuing. But right. uh, so Aaron, I, I gave Aaron shit about paying seven ninety nine for this book, but it was a slow week for me. And because I knew it would be a big book that we could chat about, I bought it as well. I paid the fucking seven ninety nine. I'm saying BF bomb a lot. I don't know. It's the season, I guess. It's just kind of your thing. Paul, it's you really always a- say the F bomb a lot. I didn't last week. Anyway, I apologize. That, I'm, a, I'm earning our explicit tag this week. But you own, you wear that explicit tag. You own it, Paul. Ooh, mm. But I got to be honest, I, I, I loved this book, Aaron. Oh, this book was awesome. This book reminds me of the Fantastic Four books that I read when I was a kid. I mean, there, there, I give Marvel crap about how they handled Johnny Storm, but this was a fantastic book. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. You know, I, the page where Doctor Strange screws up. Yeah. You know, they're like, okay, hey, bring that, bring that ship down. You know, and he brings it down into a building instead of the water. <laughs> I just love this book. This book was so much fun. There was so much going on. This is a book that bears rereading. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I you know, this is not a, a one pass kind of book. And I love, you know, all the different factions that that Hickman has been messing with are all coming together. And I just, I love it. I thought this book was outstanding. If I don't want an $8 price point, but when you're going to do the big 100-page anniversary issue, give me all new content, I'll pay the 8 bucks. Because yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It was the cost of, of two comics. Yeah. I'm not going to – I did drop FF a couple of issues ago, so unfortunately uh-huh. I missed a little bit of the build-up to this issue. Yeah. Maybe I dropped FF at the wrong time, but FF was frustrating me as, as a reader. But I still found plenty to enjoy in this book, and I have to be honest, as much as the lead story – I enjoyed, and you know, spoiler warnings on. Of course, Johnny Storm comes back at, in this issue, 
but the way they handled what <laughs> <laughs> comic comic podcasts are ruining comics readings for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But my favorite portion of the book was the middle chunk. The biggest portion of the book is basically what Johnny Storm has been up to right. since technically he died. And, and it's funny because Jonathan Hickman kind of gets around the whole he never died thing by saying, yes, he died. He died like 16 times. Right. They just kept bringing him back using their technology. And even though, I got to be honest, it's essentially Planet Hulk starring Johnny Storm. Yes. <laughs> I still dug it. But, you know, what? what was nice – you see sometimes where they'll bring a character back, and there's really been no change. There's been no shift in the character. It's just, you know, the character's been away for a little bit, and now the character is back. It looks to me like they're making a significant change in the Johnny Storm character. Yes. You know, we had talked before about how you know, it was okay that Johnny Storm died because he's essentially the same guy he's always been. There really hasn't been a significant shift in his character since his creation. Well, it looks to me like they're going to make him a little bit darker. And there was, he was learning his whole dying and res- resurrection repeating over and over was him learning to do some different things with his powers. You know, like the little focused flame burst where, you know, where he's using his finger like a gun. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and you're like, holy – I mean, and he's killing people or, you know, bugs. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bugs are people too. Uh, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought the book was fantastic. And I, I'm like, I am, I am so jazzed about this. And yeah, I'm going to buy Fantastic Four, and I'm going to buy Future Foundation. Look at you, Aaron. Aaron is sold on the Hickman. On the- you know, I, I think Hickman's a fantastic writer. I know that we have been unhappy with some of the the Future Foundation books, but I, I, I think he is telling such a huge story. And books like Fantastic Four six hundred show that it's worth the wait. Mm-hmm. And I do, yeah. th- you know, the, the hard, part, the hardest part with Hickman is the wait. Yeah, you know, he does draw he, the story out. He does some long form storytelling, and some of that decompression works. Some of it doesn't. It worked here, so yay! Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I am glad I purchased it. I will probably buy Fantastic Four. I still don't know if I'm going to jump onto FF back on FF. You know, I might just end up picking that in trade eventually, especially because of the long form storytelling. I'd imagine some of it reads better in chunks. Now, a book that I thoroughly enjoyed this week was Captain America and Bucky yes. by Ed Brubaker and Chris Somney. Correct. Holy roly, this book was good. It really uh-huh. was. You know, we talked last issue that we that there was one more issue with Chris Somney as the artist on the book, and basically at the end of that last issue, Bucky, Cap, and Cap, you know, were in the uh, explosion that sent them both. Bucky became Winter Soldier, Cap was frozen in ice for years. And this is basically a Winter Soldier story. Right. And, uh, and you know, kind of, yeah, it, it kind of catches up some of the period between him being Bucky and then the, his early years as the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, and because, you know, some of this was told in one of the Winter Soldier books. And I forget which, which one of those uh, story arcs some of this was shared in. But, you know, it kind of tells it from a different angle. And, I again, I thought this book was fantastic. I did, too. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, this is the end of the first arc, so it'll probably be collected in trade sometime soon. Yeah. Highly recommend picking it up. Next issue, it says new creative team, but I'm pretty sure it's the same writers. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, a different artist. artist. Right. But, I mean, looking at that cover... That's a dynamite-looking cover for next issue. Yeah. So I'm on board for at least the first issue of the next arc. I, I have enjoyed this book. I don't know how long it'll last. It doesn't seem like a book that's going to last very long. i got to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, it, it is a very specific niche. Let's tell stories told in the past. You know, And when the Winter, and the Winter Soldier book is coming out next year, mm-hmm. and you've already got Captain America, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room on the shelf for three Captain America books, essentially. Yeah. And I have a feeling this is going to be the one that gets shafted. But, you know, since I'm not picking up the regular Captain America series, uh, I mean, right now I'm getting Captain America and Bucky, but I, I'm i not sure I'm going to be picking up the others. I'm, I'm going to give Winter Soldier a try, because I, I do enjoy the character. I do, too, but I'm not going to give it a try. I'm just... Well, you go to hell, Paul. No, you go to hell. No, you go to hell. You pay seven ninety nine for Winter Soldier number one. No, it's not seven ninety nine. dollars <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Paul... I'm still pissed off about the whole... Here's a big death, but he's not really dead thing. Now, Paul, this is something that I gather. It's not stated explicitly in the book, 
Yes. But you know, uh, Winter Soldier, he's active in the 50s, right? Right. And there is a Black Widow there, and this is Natalia, the Black Widow that we currently see in modern-day Marvel Comics is Natasha. Am I to assume that there is always a Black Widow and it's just a different person? You know what? That's a good question. I didn't actually catch the Natalia thing. I'm so... Because the names are so similar, I assumed it was the same woman and she just... You know, she has some of the same formula that Nick Fury and Captain America and all of them have to, to keep them from aging. Okay. But they might be two different people, now that you mention it. Okay, so I'm gonna, I, clearly I need to do some research there. I went to Paul as my walking Marvel encyclopedia. Once again, Paul, you've let me down. Uh, I, Judas, funny books with Aaron and Judas. <laughs> but what did not let me down this week was Shade by uh, James Robinson and Cully Hamner. This is uh, Shade number two. And I just mentioned it. I'm the only one on the, on the show reading this book. I read but issue one. Did you read issue? Okay, and but you didn't pick up issue two. Because I just, as a twelve issue miniseries, I got to be honest. After reading issue one, and I enjoyed the hell out of issue one. I'm not going to lie. It felt to me like it would be a better in trade book. So you're gonna, you're going to trade weight on this one. I'm going to trade, and I hate I to say that because I don't like doing that to my comic shop. Yeah. But you know, as a comic buyer, it seems like this story would be more enjoyable in trade. I can see that. Well, I, I, I'm not going to spend much time on it other than to say that Cully Hamner is tearing this shit up. His work in this book is outstanding. He is drawing his guts out here. Thoroughly enjoyed his uh, his artwork on the book. And the story is spot on. I just I love the character of the shade. I love that we're getting to see these characters again. This book is just fantastic. And so if you're if you're not wanting to trade rate and you're wanting to to read a fantastic book uh, pick up the shade number one, number two, two ninety nine. Uh, you can probably pick up uh, the shade number one for a buck ninety nine on Comicsology right now if you want to give it. A did try. you did you just say trade rape? Trade <laughs> trade rape. What are you accusing me of, Aaron? <laughs> I'm accusing you of trade raping. <laughs> I'm At not least sure what exactly. Accusing you of burn stealing. Uh, it's it's like burn stealing, but with a with a hardcover. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim this week, as uh, to to venture out of his comfort zone. Picked up Secret Avengers number 19, uh, a book written by Warren Ellis that Aaron and I, for a couple of issues now, have really kind of loved. Mm-hmm. Um, this issue was by Warren Ellis. Again, these are done in one tales. The artist on this book is Michael Lark, who I'm not 100% familiar with. His art style looks familiar, but I don't know from where. Mm-hmm. But I am, I am very curious to hear what Tim thought of Secret Avengers number 19. Well, Paul, you never let me down. Really? This book was just this book was bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, book, this book was bad. I didn't like it at all. I don't know if it's the if it's the way they're shading, but the art look does, it just doesn't do anything for me. And had I known that it had only these four characters in it, I probably wouldn't have got it. Like I, I got it just based on the principle you guys have been loving it, and I'm like, oh, I don't care about almost any of these characters. That's great. All the Secret Avengers I like, War Machine, Valkyrie, Beast, yeah, not in this book. Ant-Man, not in this book. So, yeah, didn't like it. Didn't like the art, didn't like the characters. I couldn't, I guess the story was alright, but I couldn't get past the rest of it. So, so yeah. the, the characters in the book were Moon Knight, Captain America, I'm sorry, Steve Rogers, Black Widow, and Agent... Sharon Carter. 13. Yeah, yeah Agent 13. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, you have those four characters, and and they kind of tell you that because those are the four characters that are on the cover. They but- sure do. Had I opened it, <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Always bird steal before you buy a book. I all recommend. So you know those those characters are are in some Eastern European town out to to you know take care of a situation. You know they're running the mission. The artwork is rather. It reminds me a lot of like uh, Batman Year One. Yeah, or Alias, or, you know, a book. You know, it's definitely more of a scratchy crime book yes. type feel. Yeah, very much. It's very dark. It doesn't is not what I would characterize as your standard superhero fare. But to be fair around that, these are not your, your over-the-top kind of superheroes. These are guys who, other than Steve Rogers, who is, you know, often in, in real big, you know, high-action Avengers, Cosmic Cube kind of stuff, this power set is very street-level. 
on these characters. And so I thought the artwork was appropriate to the story they were telling. I love it. I, I thought this book was great. Yeah, I, I'm I, sorry. I got to disagree with Tim. I, I, I'm uh, with you. I, I have loved – and I will say – out of the four Warren Ellis issues that I think I've, I think it's four at this point. This is my least favorite of the four, mm-hmm. but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. And I sometimes draw a parallel between Steve Rogers and the way he behaves and Superman, because it's really like you know eighties and nineties. That was really kind of the distinction that they were making. Is that you know in terms of of moral centeredness. And the way they deal with, with people and their enemies, Captain America and Superman are on that same kind of level. And Superman would never take a life and whatnot. But there is this scene in the book where Steve Rogers picks up a bottle of vodka and tosses it in the air. And then Agent 13 shoots the bottle. So there is a spray of vodka over the bad guy. And then Black Widow tosses the lighter. And they burn the guy alive. And I'm like, you know, you never see Superman doing that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe new Superman. Yeah, I thought it was great, but I, I like, I, you know, I used to always have this problem with Captain America is that, you know, he was always so noble and so rigidly strict, kill, that kind of thing. There has been this, this shift since Ed Brubaker has been writing the character that, sure, Captain America is a noble hero, but he's also a warrior and sees the need to put down an enemy. Let's ignore you know. the fact that the guy was drinking God vodka or whatever the hell he was drinking. Oh, I've been <laughs> imbued with loads and loads of ancient gods because I've been drinking this vodka. And uh, apparently everybody in Eastern Europe looks like they're from the Sons of Anarchy, too. They do, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. I give the Ultimate Universe credit for that turn. Ultimate Universe was the first place that they showed that Cap could be a soldier and could kill. Mm-hmm. And they saw how well received it was. Otherwise, I don't think Marvel would have ever let Brubaker do the things he's done. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I think that turn did occur with Mark Miller's work in in the Ultimates, and I like that turn. I mean, I think it's I think it makes for a more robust character. Best panel in this book, Paul, is the scene where Black Widow is flicking the lighter. Yeah, you know, you only see I mean, like a half of her face, and it is just so perfect. It's like you know, yeah, we're gonna burn you up, motherfucker. I just <laughs> loved it. I loved it. I gotta be honest. The thing I love most about it was Moon Knight's costume. Yes, I thought that. I thought that was actually rather inspired. Yeah, he's wearing a white tux and his Moon Knight mask. Yeah, it's just awesome looking. Yeah, and you know, I, I was a little startled at the ending at just how abruptly the book ends. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure there was another page after that, so I had to go back and go, okay, yeah, that that is the actual ending. Yeah, it just felt like there was going to be one more page. Yeah, I, I, and I have to be honest. That's to a certain extent the the way the entire run has been. Right. You know, these done in one stories do end rather abruptly. But if you think about it, the story is resolved, and it seems like there's still there's still a build up. There's still this shadow council thing. Right. That they've been building up to. They're just it, it's it's essentially an ongoing series of done in one tales. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it. Um, I know here. Warren Ellis is only on for two more issues, and then it moves over to Rick Remender. But I am at least on for the Warren Ellis issues. I love Rick Remender. I don't know if I'm on for the Remender stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, I, I, I did really enjoy this. Remender basically lost a lot in my eyes with uh, Frankencastle. I think he lost a lot in everyone's eyes with Frankencastle, to be honest with you. I mean, I was singing his praises before that, but once that hit, it's like, really? <laughs> now, speaking of a book with diminishing returns... I hated Superman number three, guys. I'm sorry. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like I said, I will continue buying it for my brother. <laughs> and I will read it if I can, but I did not enjoy this book. Of the three Superman books, this was my least favorite. I'm I'm kind of ready for them to, to move this along. But I did enjoy it, and I'm on for number four. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I kind of agree with you, Aaron, though. It's, they need to move the story along a little bit more. Uh, action is definitely my favorite of the Superman titles versus Agreed. this. I really like their Clark Kent here, but there's just something that doesn't feel right about their Superman at this point. Right. I got to be honest. What I don't like about this book is its wordiness. It is very wordy. It is overly wordy, and everything, everything is described in explicit detail. Show uh, comics again. Comics are a visual medium. Show, don't tell. You know, and I get it. 
you know, you, you want people to feel like they get their money's worth. But what's annoying is that every issue thus far has had news commentary over the fight. Right. And so it's like, oh, my God, what is Superman doing? He, he's using his X-ray vision. Oh, he's melting the ice monster. It's like, I can see this. You know, I don't need the ongoing commentary. There, There's literally probably five word balloons at every panel throughout this entire book. And you know, I'm I'm cool with that. I actually like that quite a bit. What got to me this issue was it seemed like it was a big ad for Action Comics. Mm-hmm. They have reference to the next storyline that's happening in, well, the next issue of Action Comics. For this event, see Action Comics number four that hasn't been released yet. And then they've got a bunch of pictures from that era. They they talk about things that had happened in the first issue of Action Comics. And it's like, do we really need an ad for Action Comics number one? Do we need to show how these two are tied together in this book? Because I don't think we do. Especially since Action is probably selling more than Superman. So, right. you know, I, I don't know. I I didn't mind that as much. I did mind that they did it here. Again, you know, the first ten pages of this book are essentially, let's talk about Superman's history that we already know from what we've read in Action Comics and what we've read in Superman, and let's make it overly wordy. And it's like, well, I already <laughs> know all of this stuff, except yeah. the fact that you ruined the first arc of Action Comics for me. Thanks. Thanks for that one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, speaking you... of spoilers, they spoil action within their own you know, other title, Superman. I, I actually was very annoyed to see that they were... They told us what the villain was going to be called mm. in the next issue of Action. That bothered me a lot. Yeah, because at this point, you know, we suspect he's Brainiac. He looks like Brainiac. He's got the Brainiac symbol, but they're, he, they gave him a different name. And, you know, they said, well, Superman clearly saved the day. Well, you know what? Obviously, Superman's going to save the day. I get that. But for all I know, you know, some of Metropolis may have been destroyed. You know, it would have been... I, I didn't want it ruined for me that basically... Everything's fine. I don't yeah, know. The, all of this hatred of Superman that we're seeing in action, this is the turning point away from that. It's like, why do I need to know that? I, I wanted to see what that turning point was. How does he go from being the the guy that everyone doesn't trust to being this big hero? I didn't need to have that spoiled in another Superman book. That was actually the biggest annoyance to me was, like I said, the, the whole it's an ad for action comics. But giving that away really bothered me. Other than that, I love the book. I still love the book. I like this Clark Kent, and I'm on board with the Superman titles, both of them. Now, I have one thing to say before we move on from this book. Online, when they announced that Nicola Scott would be doing, I think, fill-ins for issue three and four, the art, they showed the pencils, her pencils. I think Nicola's a woman. uh, Her pencils of of some of this issue, and the pencils were gorgeous. The art, I don't know if it was the coloring or the inks, but the pencils were better looking than the art in this book. If, if you go online and you look up the pencils for uh, for Superman number three, you'll see that I actually liked the art before better from the pencils than I do in the book. I don't know. I had some issues with the art. It seems kind of, but I've had issues with the art from first issue on this book. I'm sorry, Paul. I don't know. I don't like it. Fuck it. Now, a book that I did drop, but Wayne is still buying, is Green Lantern New Guardians number three. We got a double dose of Kyle Rayner this week. If you also read Voodoo, and I did. So. The last issue had ended with you know, Kyle getting one ring of every core on his hand. So I was all excited that you know, we're going to see Kyle fight the Guardians. Because the Guardians at this point, you know, it would be against status quo for them to tell a story about the Guardians where the Guardians weren't giant douchebags. I mean, that is the status quo for the Guardians at this point. So I was looking forward to seeing them get, get pounded on by him. And there is a bit of that, but at this point, I'm left wondering, what is the status quo of this book? I don't know what this book's going to be about after this first arc. You know, I I don't know why they're calling it New Guardians at this point, and we're three issues in. I love all the Kyle story. I love seeing Kyle with all the rings. But by the end of the book, all of those rings, except for two, are destroyed. So what is the point of this book? What is... You know, who are the new Guardians? What is going to happen, you know, long-term status quo of the book? I think by issue three, we should know what the status quo is going to be. And at this point, we don't. 
I mean, I'm enjoying it because I, like I said I love Kyle as a character, and I love to see him actually fighting the Guardians. But I have no idea a year from now what this book is going to be about. And I think that's my big concern with it is I've now invested three issues in this. I'm going to keep investing in it for a book that I don't even know what it's really going to be about. I don't know what's and no one else cares. I mean, no, I mean, and, and to a certain extent, that's we why finally, I dropped it. You know, I, I didn't we finally feel like do it. see Larfleet in this issue, though. That was the big mystery: is there's only one orange ring. So if Kyle has one ring from every core, what was the deal with Larfleet? Where is he? And they finally do deal with that in this issue. Yeah, and I, I'm learning a lot about the Green, a lot about the Lantern cores that I didn't know about. Like I didn't know much about the the orange lanterns at all. I didn't know there was only one ring until this book. Yeah, I knew that. Well, because it's Larflees, but I don't know. I didn't enjoy, I think I read the first two issues and I just, it wasn't enough for me to keep going. So are you going to buy issue four? You said you're going to keep going. Oh with yeah. That? Yeah. I'm going to keep going with it. Cause I am, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I just am concerned cause I don't know what it's, I don't know what the point of it is. I don't know what their long-term goal is, what the status quo is going to be. So for now, I'm still on board. I'm still, it's still the only Kyle Green Lantern book. And, you know, and I like the character. And I, I do enjoy the story, but I just don't know what the book is actually about, which kind of worries me. Well, to a certain extent, voodoo is a similar, is in a similar category. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, we're still kind of building. There's still so many questions, uh, unanswered questions. Uh, we're still not familiar with who the character is, what the universe is. And unfortunately, Ron Mars, I think, is off the title with issue five. Is uh, he really? I hadn't heard that. He was, and I, you know, I, I don't want to. Uh, I guess I'll spread rumors because we're a podcast. Because <laughs> that's what we do. That's what we do. Essentially, he was let go of the book. Oh, they really? wanted to go in a different direction, so they they're bringing in Josh Williamson as the writer, starting with issue six. Uh, same art team. Uh, but Ron Mars's last issue is issue five, and um, it, it wasn't that he left the book. It seems like DC just, I don't know if they weren't happy with what he was doing or if they wanted to make it more of a superhero book and less of a sci-fi thing. I don't know. But wow. i got to be honest. In that I, case, I may be dropping it at issue six. I, I mean, I'm sad. I'm going to give issue six a shot, but I'll be sad to see him go because I am enjoying Voodoo, and I enjoyed the hell out of issue three. Yeah. Yeah, and I do see where this book's going. You know, you've got a character who is, you know, essentially spying on the DC universe, on the DC Earth of the DC universe, that is becoming conflicted by her very nature. I I get what's going on here, and it's I'm signed up for it. I said all through the entire Ron Mars story, this has been really good. I'm very concerned. I knew he was leaving the book, but I'm very concerned to hear that they, he may be leaving it because they wanted to go a different direction. You know, I was concerned when this issue was previewed because I didn't know about having a Green Lantern in the book. Yeah, That concerned me a lot. I don't want this to tie into the greater superhero stories going on because I like this being unique and a different feel. Well, I, I think you're going to see more of the, the super folks coming in. I, I just think, I just think that's, that's going to be a reality. Yeah. But I dug it. I'm sorry to hear that Ron Mars is leaving the book because uh, he's, he's lo- the reason why I picked it up to begin with. Because it really had no interest in the character, but when I saw Ron Mars was going to be on it, I picked it up. So yeah, I'll give number six a shot when it comes out. But if it doesn't uh, tickle me, I'll hop right on off of that. So, yeah, I, I have to say all of my concern about Green Lantern being in this book, they they handled it very well. His reasoning for being there, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't like that he just overlooks her like the way he does. That he you know he gives her the benefit of the doubt because there's no reason for him to. Right. But overall, I mean, it made sense why he was there. Yeah. Well, Astonishing X-Men number 45. Now, you guys all know. I am so not an X-Men guy. But uh, Greg Pak hooked me up with a copy of Astonishing X-Men number 45. And uh, I read it this weekend. And I really enjoyed it. Reminded me a lot of what I liked about the X-Men back when, you know, Chris Claremont and John Byrne were doing those books. Um I dug it. it. You know, it also had that nice kind of Joss Whedon-y kind of feel to it uh, when he was on Astonishing X Men. Uh, it, it it is you know in the Regenesis uh, uh, storyline. 
clearly, you know, Cyclops has uh, uh, is recovering from some injuries and is having some difficulty with the split that occurred between him and Wolverine. But you know, I I have always been a guy who liked the Cyclops Cyclops character and kind of understand where he's coming from. Uh, he's training an army. He's he is not like you said in the Avengers Academy book recently. He's not he's not running a high school. He's training an army. And you very much get that in this book. I dug it. The The art by Mike McCone is fantastic. Scott, as things are developing in the story between he and Storm, Scott's asking him, himself the questions that I'm asking. Because she starts flirting with him and whatnot. And I'm like, now wait a minute. She's married to Black Panther. At least I thought she was. Because, you know, I don't read the Black Panther book. But last I looked, they were married. And, you know, then she lays this big kiss on him. And, you know, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, I thought the book was great. I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, things aren't as they seem. And you, you get that towards the, the last couple of pages of the book. I think I may be picking up uh, number 46. I dug sure. it. Hmm. I, I was curious, you know, Astonishing X-Men is kind of, it's kind of one of those weird titles because it doesn't seem like it really fits in with the current continuity. It sounds like maybe it does with, with this one. Mm-hmm. Is this part of like the Regenesis stuff where yeah, there's the it, split? Yeah, it's, it's, it's got the Regenesis banner on it. Mm. Well, I might give it a shot if you, if you recommend it if you are recommending an X-Men book maybe I will give it a shot I am I am you know and, and I gotta say I am so not an X-Men guy but you know there wasn't any of that miso persecuted angst kind of thing in it it was more like we're taking charge of our own destiny mm-hmm. and I just I, I liked it I, I, I dug the book and it, you know the artwork just works in this book and I love the way McCone draws Storm. And of course, you know, she's back to being Mohawk Storm, which, you know, kind of kind of amuses me as well. So I'm digging it. I like the book. Hmm. Well, Tim wanted to talk about Dungeons and Dragons number thirteen. Uh, a book that I dropped a couple of issues ago and I I've been regretting it because I, I do love the characters. I do love the writing. Uh it just had a couple of a couple too many uninteresting issues for me to keep going. Well, let me let me say that the issue thirteen was the best that we've had since before the Feywild. The Feywild storyline, I never really clicked with me. And you're right, Paul. It, it had been taking a, a slight downturn since then, especially given the fact that you've had you know three different artists doing each book. But this book was all done by uh, Andrea DeVito, and it just seems like you know once we got the creative team on, the writing has always been solid. But this one was was fairly awesome so i you know i don't want to say too much because we've you know we've talked about dungeons and dragons being a, a really good book for the most part uh, i just felt like this one was a, was a standout compared to the last six months so i would i would highly recommend it and yeah that's basically all i had to say i'm, well, I'm kind of sorry that you dropped the book but uh i think this would be i think this one's worth picking up in floppy well, and here's one thing that um, Dungeons and Dragons is indeed day and date digital. I may instead of hopping back on floppies, I may pick it up digitally. Maybe, especially since I can catch up on the last couple of issues for a little cheaper than having paid for the comic on the stand. Well, I would be that would that would be slightly acceptable. For a hippie like me to read. Dungeons and Dragons on this his Kindle. This made Tim so conflicted. I was yeah, like, he, I was kinda... he wants to hate you for buying digital, but he wants to love you for buying a book he's reading. He doesn't know how to feel. Oh, yeah. That's I, I have that effect on people, Tim. It's okay. So next week, probably one of the most uninteresting weeks in comics. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you should definitely tune in. You should definitely tune in because we will find something to make to talk about. Daredevil is like the only Marvel book I'm buying. Star Trek ongoing. Uncharted is coming out. Is no one is, is still no one's buying Uncharted with me. Still, damn it. Well, I will buy Uncharted and I will talk about it next week on the podcast if it's worth talking about. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> Can you feel the, excite- the excitement in Aaron's voice? <laughs> <laughs> He was just, um, just told to go weed the lawn. That's very exciting. Coming up midweek is our interview with Raven Gregory. And then the end of the week is our next issue of Knights of Rainsboro, issue 11, I believe. Woohoo! Very exciting. And so, like, uh, issue 12 uh, was going to have a cover with an angel on it. 
and everybody should know what that means. <laughs> that might be a lie. <laughs> well, um, I think issue 11 is my favorite issue of Knights of Rainsboro. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, good ep- but I, I think it, issue it 11 is a- was a pretty awesome episode. What, I don't know. I thought the issue where you were unconscious the whole time, Paul, was a pretty awesome episode. That was a pretty good. That's my second favorite. Really? Fan favorite <laughs> hair trigger. <laughs> and on that happy note. Yeah. Well, I hope, everybody, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll see you next week. Adios. And bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Oh, no, yeah, I'd wreck that chick.